Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. One sentence. Imagine your life, the end of your life, being summed up by one sentence. What are you going to be known for? King David of Israel has one sentence spoken of him, found in 1 Kings 15. For David did what was right in the Lord's sight, and he did not turn aside from anything he had commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of... Pretty good sentence, right? Except for the except part right there. Yeah. What's that all about? Well, that's why we're here. We're going to look at that story. In fact, that story today starts with a story about a story. That's where we get to start. So we go back and we find David. He's in his palace and God sends a prophet, Nathan, to him. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he arrived, he said to him, There were two men in a certain city. One rich and the other poor. The rich man had very large flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised her, and she grew up with him and with his children. From his meager food she would eat, from his cup she would drink, and in his arms she would sleep. She was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, But the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. Now, not many of us are from an agricultural background that we can really connect with the emotion of that story that David would have personally felt. So let me modernize that for you. There's a couple, and they're married, they have One child, a little girl, and they have a puppy, and they're having their family, and life is going fine. But then as they live, the poor girl gets sick. And more and more trips to the hospital, and the hospital bills start pouring up, and they're barely scraping by. And they're just on their wit's end. And then there's a neighbor who is well-to-do, and he learns he has out-of-town guests coming in. But he doesn't want to hassle with going and going up to the grocery store and getting a fine cut of meat. And knowing that the poor girl and the family are at the hospital, he sneaks next door and he takes their dog, throws it in the smoker, and prepares that for dinner. <laughs> Ooh, the gas. Now we see some of the emotional connection there when I make it a dog. You see, we want to understand with the lamb, and I certainly couldn't make it a cat because you want to think he had any closeness to that. Just ask Randy, all right? But so here we have this story, right? In this story, there's this emotion that David would have felt because he was a shepherd. 
and had been close. And there's issues of right and wrong in here. And so Nathan brings this story about this little lamb and the rich man and the poor man and brings it to David. And it says this, that David was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. Because he had done this thing and shown no pity, he must pay four lambs for that lamb. Oh, here you have this response of David as he hears this story, right? And it's, and it's a good response. This is a good guy. David, David is a guy who'd followed after God. He is a good leader. He, he loves the Lord. He knows what's right and wrong. He has a sense of, of morality. He has an integrity. And, it, and you can read how he had, but this is the same guy who had followed him all his life. He was chosen as a young guy to become king. And, and yet he waits, he waits patiently. And he surrounds himself with all these mighty men. And then he fights Goliath, right? He has all, you have these stories of stories of David. When he finally does become king, you see him dancing before the ark as he brings it into Jerusalem. And he's leading the people of Israel into connection with God. But what's up right now? as Nathan comes to with this story, is one of the most key moments in all of David's life. It's this moment where that one sentence that we do have may not even be written as it is. He has to respond. He has to respond right now. For Nathan then comes to David after David says, this guy must pay four lambs. And Nathan's reply to David, you are the man. And he doesn't mean you the man. Way to go. No. <laughs> he means you are that rich man. This is you. He's like, you struck down Uriah with the sword and took his wife as your own. And Nathan calls him out on his hidden sin and what he had done in taking another man's wife and sending this guy to die. This is one of the key moments in David's life. It will define the rest of his life. It will decide who he is. His response to that story, at first it looks really good. It looks like it embodies integrity. But inside, deeper, something was happening. And David was in a battle for his heart. You see, we all will find ourselves in battles for our hearts. Our hearts are tricky places. Our hearts are deceptive. We all can relate. For instance, in my modernized story, how many of us were more appalled at the idea of eating a dog than the idea of taking a sick girl's pet? We're weird creatures in that. And so today, we're going to look at this idea of integrity. We can be around integrity. We can talk of integrity and, and like we have integrity, but we all can still use to look deeper into our hearts. We all can examine our own integrity. We all still have issues with our heart, ways that we all can still grow, no matter how long you've been following after Jesus, whether this is new or it feels like all your life. God wants you to go deeper. That's our exhortation today. Go deeper to look at your heart. We're going to be looking at Psalm 51. And I encourage you, 
read it. Read it. Spend some time in it on your own. In fact, if there's one verse in this psalm that I think would be a great one that you can meditate on, memorize it. It's Psalm 51.6. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Today, we'll look at this, this idea that God desires integrity. And we are looking that we have a battle for the integrity of not only our own lives, but really of our hearts. At multiple times, all of us, we will find ourselves time and time again in battles for our heart. No matter what battle we won in the past, we'll time and time again find ourselves in battles for our heart. Just like David was right there, right? But what this psalm is saying is that God wants our hearts. He wants to win your heart in the deepest part, deep within you. He wants to teach you wisdom. Deep within you, he wants to place his integrity. So whether it be in your caught in a sin or maybe you're just tempted by a sin, or maybe it's the sin of others that are surrounding you and having a negative effect. Or it's just death and loss and sickness and trials. It can be big battles, and it can be even in times of small ones. Ooh, I found a wallet. Our real character, our heart response, gets called into question in many ways. How will we respond? Before we look at Psalm 51, let's look at how David responded. David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. That, that's a perfect response. He turns wholly to God. David, when his heart is on the line, he turns to God and he went deeper He let God have his heart. He entrusted his heart to God. That is why, at the end of it all, David is known as a man who is after God's own heart. That is why that sentence gets written, which is such a great sentence, following him all the days of his life, except for the matter of Uriah. Uriah. All of us can now look at this story, and that's what we're going to look at, and we can learn from it, and we can ask ourselves, how will we be known? What may be our one sentence? And so we're going to look at the Psalms, right? We're looking at Psalm 51. Uh, I want to give guesses to who wrote the psalm, this one. Who wrote most of the Psalms? David. Wow. When did David write this psalm? Well, it says right at the beginning, for the choir director, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after he'd gone to Bathsheba. Perfect. So let's look at it. It starts with this, verse 1. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. David starts with the psalm by appealing to God's grace, his faithful love, his abundant passion. He starts with the foundation of who God is and the goodness of God. And then he asks, he asks a big ask from his heart. He asks for total forgiveness. You see the language? He says, blot it out, my sin. Will you completely wash away that guilt? Will you cleanse me from all of it? I, I realize I'm rebelling because David knew his sin. Look at where he goes next. 
He says, for I'm conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me against you. You alone have I sinned. It's to him and only God that he realizes it. I have sinned and done evil in your sight. See, David knew his sin. It was always before him. He had tried. He had tried to hide it. He had tried to scheme. And the story that Nathan confronts him about, it starts where David is in the palace. He's leading the people. He's doing a good job. He goes up on his rooftop. He looks over, and in a courtyard, he sees a woman bathing. And instead of looking away, he looks. And he then wants to know who she is, and he inquires and finds that her husband is gone. And so he sends one of his servants to bring her to him. Spends the night with her and sends her away and thinks, all right, good, we'll just hide that away. She comes back and says, I'm pregnant. Uh Uh-oh, what am I going to do? He knows that her husband is one of his friends, one of his mighty men, off fighting. So he brings Uriah back from battle and says, go spend a week and leave. Go be with your wife, thinking they'll all think that he got her pregnant. But Uriah has an integrity and does not want to spend a weekend with his wife while his Buddies are on the battlefield, so he doesn't go home. And David then even tries again, and he tries to get Uriah drunk, thinking surely then he'll go, and Uriah doesn't. So then David comes even deeper into his schemes and his hiding, and he writes a note, and he gives it to Uriah, of all people, sends him back to the front lines, and it says, put Uriah on the front line, and at the right moment have all his peers pull back so that he is killed. And he does. So not only does he take his wife, but he murders one of his mighty men. And David was conscious of it. And he knew and he schemed and he tried to hide that down. But it says that he's conscious of what sin really is. It's a rebellion against God. Over and over again, instead of looking away and looking to God, he looks deeper into his heart. And at this moment, God calls him out and David responded. He he appeals to God's character, his goodness and his grace, and he asks for forgiveness. And He is asking God, go in and may your character be what I am modeling after. In fact, if we're talking about integrity, the the foundation has to be God. The integrity we want, what do we want? It's who God is. God is good. He's gracious. He's loving. He's compassionate. He's patient. He's kind. He's joyful. He's faithful. He's generous. He's everything good. We all want to be. God wants us to be aware of our need for integrity, but it needs to be our awareness that we get it from him. So before we talk about growing and going deeper in integrity, we need to get there. We need to realize we need to go deeper with God. That's our first application. We need to go deeper with God because the heart of integrity flows from a heart of intimacy with Jesus. We need to spend time with him. That's how you get to know somebody, right? God is the source. David, in his life, he had a close relationship. That's what he's known for in all his story, is he walked with God. He was close with him. He knew him. He is a great model of just being genuine, being real, and spending time with God. There was a 17th century monk. His name was Brother Lawrence, and he worked as a lay monk. And what that means is he worked in a monastery, and he was the cook. And so as he worked there and he had all his toils of going in and working and cooking and cleaning, he found a closeness with God. And he writes this, The most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company. 
speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons, at every moment, without limiting the conversation in any way. You see, foundational to knowing the character of a person is spending time with them and then doing it in a real way. Brother Lawrence is calling it saying, don't limit your conversation. If you want to go deep into your relationship with God, we need to be real with them. That's how we do it. Like, maybe it just seems, he seems distant. Maybe it seems like something you just do. But we need to learn that God wants our hearts, and he wants us to be real. He wants you to laugh with them. He wants you to cry with them. I remember being a young guy, just following after Jesus and struggling with this because it just felt like God was distant. How do I go there? And I was married, and, and I'm getting angry with my wife all the time, and then I'm getting frustrated that I have so much anger because I love this woman, and yet I'm just flailing over and over, and something was happening inside here, and I didn't know how God even saw that. And you know what I did? I went to the car wash. <laughs> You're like, go oh, to the car wash. I went to the car wash because I knew that there was something between me and God. And yet I was struggling. And I was so concerned about everything around me. So I went into this car wash. And you get in there and it locks you in and it starts pulling you in. And you know how it's in the soap and it starts spraying all around. And it starts beating and it gets really loud. And you can't see anything and no one can see in and no one can hear. And in that moment, I started crying and screaming out to God about what was happening inside here. It's like, Lord, I need you. I need your help. Something is happening. This isn't the person I want to be. Will you come and be gracious to me and compassionate to me? And will you come and rescue me? And it's that type of intimacy with God that we all can have. I don't always go to the car wash. (laughs) But one of the other habits that I have that we can all do is I like to take prayer walks. I go out and I walk because I'm walking around my neighborhood or in a park. I can talk out loud. and I'm thankful for Bluetooth because people used to think I was crazy. Now they just think I have an earpiece, right? But it's finding our time like this and getting to know him. If you want to, that intimacy with God has to be the foundation as we consider our integrity. And as you understand who's God, who God is, then you can understand who you are. Continues here. We already seen this verse. Fifty one six. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. God wants integrity in our inner self. That wording means that it speaks of thoughts and feelings not expressed. Deep within. He wants to go into your your inner heart and thoughts and feelings not yet expressed, and he wants those. Our application here is go deeper in your heart. God is calling you to go deeper into your own heart. And I'm warning you, this is not going to be easy. If you actually do this, this will not be easy. Because our hearts, they're a deep thing. I picture it like an ocean. Can you picture yourself on a beach in the ocean? Oh, doesn't that seem real good right now today? <laughs> right? You're at the ocean. And you're seeing you're going to go in. And what do you do? You get down there and, and it starts lapping at your feet and you start walking in and it's splashing and you're walking in and this ocean is your heart. And you get further and further in, the waves start crashing around your legs and it comes on up to you and it gets up where it's splashing on you, around your head. And then you get to that point in the ocean where the waves are higher and you know if you jump, you can still keep your head above them, but you know you're going to land back down to some firm footing that you're very comfortable with. And then you get to that point where you're on your dippy toes. In that wave, and you're just, there's no way. 
And then you go deeper. That even in the lowest point, you're not going to touch. And you're in the deep. And you're treading water. And it's at that point, you got to cooperate fully with the ocean. That's the point where we end and God begins. Into that deep. The deep of your heart. God says, I want to go to that deep place and show you integrity. 51 verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Joy, gladness, rejoicing. Wow, that sounds so good. And we might think we we know our hearts. David did. He is a guy who is in touch with his heart. But our hearts are like that ocean. We need to wade out even our own hearts. And there's one big issue. The prayer here, that one of joy, it talks about, the one that talks about gladness. Do you see where it goes through? What's the path? Through bones being crushed. It says we walk through bone-crushing brokenness that God was a part of. Then, and only then, can we find a real deep joy and a gladness and a rejoicing And David, in this moment, was okay with the crushing of his bones. He was okay with his brokenness. God is calling you and I to go deeper in our hearts. But too often, we move quickly back out of that. We get to that point, and we see the brokenness, we feel the pain, and we retreat back to where our feet are firm, where we can handle it. This this I'm comfortable with. That, not so much. But God is calling you deeper, even into your own heart, to go deeper in your own self-examination. He wants you to sit in your brokenness, in what has broken your bones. He wants you to search within you and name that brokenness. As a young guy, I started the habit of journaling just to get my thoughts out, just to get my feelings out, just to process what's going on. You start those habits of going on prayer walks, just to pray and connect. You read, figure out what's going on. You've got to get in touch with your feelings. I, I've struggled with, am I a thinker? Am I a feeler? I'm a pretty good mix of both, but I will tell you, I'm an extrovert. I love this. Introvert? No way. What is that? You know? And so I struggle with getting to those feelings. My wife would ask me, what are you feeling? And I was like, well, there's Generally, it was always two responses. Either one emotion I had was I was frustrated. She's, why are you frustrated at everything? I'm just frustrated. Like, how are you frustrated? I'm frustrated. And if it wasn't I was frustrated, then there was the other emotion. I'm hungry. Those were my two. That was where I started, all right? But then I realized I have a lot more. And I don't even know if this one's an emotion. <laughs> and so then I started trying to explore my feelings. One of the tools I found very helpful is finding a feelings chart or a chart or a wheel or something that helps you where these things can start with, oh, yeah, what are you? I'm, I'm angry. All right, how are you angry? Uh, are you humiliated? No. Are you aggressive? Ooh, that's a strong word. Are you annoyed, infuriated, violated, indignant? Oh, these are, these are feeling words. Wow, I'm surprised. Or are you confused or perplexed or disillusioned? They can help you to go to a deeper place. And if you need help, use a tool like that because going to those deeper parts are going to be key to you unlocking what's going on inside here. And God wants us to name at a deeper level of what we want, how we want to grow. 
right? It's New Year's. We just had that. It's January 16th. Those of you who are still going to the gym, has it, has it thinned out already? It should have by now, right? 16 days, all right? All right? So many of us, we, we start the new year, and we have resolutions that are our diet or our exercise, and they focus on what we're going to do. I'm going to not eat this, or I'm going to go to the gym. What if God is calling you to go deeper and growing? And I'm not saying it's really good to take care of your diet and your exercise. This is part of our own self-help. But what if your struggle with the gym has something to do with your discontentment with life, with something? That you don't like your relationships or your job or something about you or your sin or your past. And that discontentment just is welling up always down there and you don't want to go into it. Yet that discontentment means you never want to get out of bed in the morning when the alarm gets off. You don't want to do something for yourself. You don't think you're worthy of it. I will tell you, if you can go deeper in your heart, if you can identify and name what is going on inside here, you can spend time in that bone-crushing brokenness and name it, then you might actually go to the gym. And you certainly can go to a better place of joy and of gladness and of, joy, of rejoicing. I was on that young guy, and I'm struggling with my anger and my anger, and it's coming out my wife, and I start having kids, and it's just frustrating. It's coming out my job. I'm just like, what is going on? And I started journaling and going those places, and God brought me to this place where he showed me in my heart, free, you are self-reliant. You're comfortable being back here, taking control, using your intellect, using your abilities, using all that you have in you and who you are to get through. But when I waited out and saw that I was self-reliant, that I needed to have my dependence start on God, you think that felt good knowing that? No way. It was so painful and it was crushing. But as I go out and I swim in that, you know what I have found? Joy and rejoicing because now I can have life of freedom. God reaches in and he, he heals and he brings integrity and he brings growth and he shows me how to be dependent on him and to trust other people, Right? We need to go into those places. I encourage you not only go deeper in your own self-examination, go deeper in your self-care. Like if you, you need to sleep more, sleep more. If you need to exercise more, do it. One of the things I, I love not only journaling and praying and looking at my rhythms was going to seek, going to a counselor. It's okay. It's great. It can help you unlock what's going on deeper. God wants to unlock it. So even just go for a season. A couple years ago, I went. There was this one issue I really wanted to work through. So I went every week for a year and saw a counselor. And it unlocked some great insight to what was happening in my heart. And then after that season, I was able to stop. And I'm sure I will go again. Something else will come up. Life is going to keep battling for this heart. But so will my God. And so will I. You owe it to yourself. Take care of yourself. God wants us to sit in that brokenness, but do you realize he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants us to enter into it, see it, name it, and then what's on the other side? Remember, there's the joy, there's the gladness, there's the rejoicing. He is good, he is gracious, he is loving, he is kind, he gives freedom. After we see that brokenness, there is joy. Oh, Let's look at this, look at the joy, the joy we see continuing on in Psalm 51. It says, restore the joy of your salvation to me. Sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will return to you. Oh, 
that intimacy with God, that it all starts with is right there. Lord, you need to sustain me. You need to be the one who restores that joy. That connection of going deeper is there, that I need to see my, in my spirit. I know that's where the issue is in my heart. Will you give me, Lord, a willing spirit to do that? But then we move on to a next thing. He says, then I will teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will rejoice. And though we know the end is our joyful heart and our own freedom, there's one last application that we're called to, and we're called to go deeper with others, with the rebellious, with sinners. We are called to share those deep parts and model real integrity, real vulnerability with other people. And too often, just like in our own hearts, when we get to that point, we take ourselves out of the game with others too quickly. We get to that point where we're willing to go there in our, with God and he shows us deep things in our, in our heart and we have an opportunity to share those with others and to model them, but we tread backwards when we have some sense of those issues. We wonder, how are they going to respond? And we think we're not worthy and we disengage. But make that your prayer. Lord, will you sustain me and give me a willing heart? A willing heart to go deeper with others. Because you need other people to help you in this journey to unlock. In the story with David, where was the turning point? What was it that God used to unlock him from getting trapped in hiding and scheming and protecting himself in his image to now being this man who is open? It was when Nathan came to him. Another person stepped in and was there with his brokenness. And in walking with him, he entered into it with him. You see, we got to see our brokenness completely different. Completely different. David saw it differently. And that was what let him unlock it when Nathan came to him. He said, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart. And David is here and he's promising that he's going to be vocal. He says, open my lips. I will declare your praise of what you've done in my life. I will be deeper with others. He knows that flowing out of this deep relationship with God into his heart, that he can take that brokenness and he needs other people. He says that God does not despise a humble and broken person. So why should we? Others need broken people. All those broken people around you, they need a broken person. They need you. We are meaning-centric beings. We want to know, God, why have you put me here? What is this all about? And when we get to that point, instead of retreating, go deeper. Go deeper with other people. You see, the lie, the, one of the biggest lies about brokenness is that sharing our brokenness disqualifies us to be with others. When in fact, it's your brokenness that most qualifies you to influence other people. Think about it this way. David is writing a psalm. Psalm 51, we're learning from it because he's open. He's inviting us, other rebels, other sinners, into his space. We know of his sin, and he's okay with it. He writes it. He invites us over these thousands of years. Who 
can you invite into your brokenness? Who can you trust with your brokenness? I know personally it's difficult. Talking to other people, taking a broken person who's broken by the world and asking them to serve other broken people in community, broken by the world. But who would you trust more? A person who's got it perfect and all together, living back here, doesn't have any mistakes, knows all the right answers, or a person who's willing to tread waters in the deep parts of their heart, share their mistakes, be humble and broken. Let's face it, those are the people we all want to be around. We can be those people because of the grace of God. Go deeper with others. That, that thing I was looking at the last couple of years and talking to that counselor, I realized I still need to grow in trusting people. Even though I've trusted people for decades, there's times that people still hurt. My last few years in Pittsburgh and leading a church plant and walking through the brokenness of life, people that I thought were loyal, mighty men betray me or they hurt me. And it's difficult. And what are you going to do? You want to tread back. But instead, what God has shown me is that brokenness is different and we can go deeper. And you can go and you can unlock it. And you know what God did? He placed me right here. He brought me here to Axiom. He brought me here to Light Company, to Rock Point, to this staff team, to this church family. And he showed me over and over and over again, broken people. You can trust broken people because you know who you're really trusting? God inside the broken people. You're trusting me. So when he calls you to go deeper with people, realize it starts, too, with that intimacy with God, into that integrity of your heart, into an influence of people. And you can, you can wade in. You're like, I'm not really sure. That's what church can be for. Your youth, middle school and high school, wade in. Come to Axiom. See what God is doing. But then keep going. You'll get to know people. Your young adult, college, career, young couple, come to Light Company. Wade in. But then keep going and go. We mentioned this coming weekend, we have an Oasis event on Friday, a garage event on Saturday. Wade in. Go. Meet some other women. Meet some other men. Go to the men's Bible studies. Go. And keep going deeper. And then as you meet people, take other steps. Find somebody you click with and ask them, hey, you want to grab a coffee or a tea or go on a walk or watch a sports game? Whatever is your thing. And go deeper. And keep going. Because you can go deeper and you will see that God will free you in your brokenness, and use you. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Just be real with other people as well. That, that verse, man, it just it captures so much of what God has for us this morning. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. You teach me wisdom deep within. God is calling you to go deeper in your heart. See your integrity. It starts with going deeper with him and exploring that intimacy, not limiting the conversation with him in any way. Then he calls us to go deeper with others. That is a real influence. You know what's best about this? It's not an academic pursuit. It's just real. It's just being real. It's just being personal. What's amazing about it is Jesus is real. He's always there. 
He made it so that the Holy Spirit, when we trust in him, we come in our faith, we see our sin, that we're, our sin is a rebellion, and we place it before him. He comes in, he invades our lives, he changes us from the inside out. And it's not about process now, it's about a relationship. It's about walking with him, and it's real. You want to have a heart of integrity? You want to have a life of purpose that's from God? You want to have authentic relationship? It starts with an authentic relationship with Jesus. That's what he wants. It's following him in real relationship. And when you start doing that, you will write your own psalms. They will flow from your heart as expressions to God. They will go into deep places of your heart and find joy and freedom as you walk through the broken and the hurt and the crushed bones. And you will find a circle of friends and family and fellowship that your unique circle that God has uniquely and perfectly placed you in this time and this place. You can go deeper. I want to invite the band up as we're going to get a chance to close our service. We're going to share a song with you. We heard the instrumental version of this song, and it's a worship song. I'm going to ask you to learn this song and engage in the song as your prayer. And the story of this song is I've been brought back here, spending some time figuring out what God has for me, and he places me here, and I'm a youth pastor. And we had this thing going on. It was a, uh, maybe you've heard about it. It was a pandemic, all right? And so I got put, you know, come here, and then there's this pandemic, and youth aren't meeting, no one's meeting, everyone's huddled up in your homes, no one's together, no one's having this, this time of fellowship. And then we start the school year, and it was the first time we can come back. And my very first axiom, we're back here, and we came to this space. Our very first time, we had all these students coming out of months and months of being holed up in their rooms, in their, in their homes. They weren't even in schools yet. The schools weren't open. And we came into this space on a first Wednesday night, and we sang a time of worship. But all of us were bringing baggage and deep hurts and questions and doubts and yet we came into the space, and God moved. He moved. We sang the song we sang earlier. We sang Oceans, where he talks about going deeper. And at the end of that, there was a line in there that says, Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. Going out deeper, past our own limits, past our own abilities. And then at the end of that worship set, Jake and some of the band and students, we had a bunch of some students playing with us. They started just playing and writing a song, and puzzling, what was, what was God doing there? And they went that week and wrote a whole song. And by the second week, they came back, and we had this song. And this song captures what David is writing in Psalm 51, our call that we are in a battle for our hearts, and he wants us to go deeper. But it's not an academic response. It needs to be a heart response. And for the last couple years, this song has meant a lot at Axiom. And you, we come in our youth and we've been together and we're seeing what God has been doing. It reminds us that he, he wants all of us. He wants our hearts. He wants us to go to that spot where our abilities were done. I, like the students were puzzling, like, why am I singing so well? Why am I playing so well? And it was cooperating with God. And so today, I invite you to just sit in this moment. Sing with us as you get a hold of it you want, but let it be your prayer that God would sustain you and he call you deeper. Will you pray with me? Spirit, will you lead us where our trust is without borders? 
Lord, we don't limit our walk with you, our conversation with you. Lord, would you help us to walk upon the waters wherever you would call us, into those deep crevices of our heart and our brokenness so we can emerge on the other side in joy. Would you take us deeper than our feet could ever wander beyond us and our own understanding? Lord, we want your understanding, your deep wisdom deep within. And Lord, would you make our faith stronger in the presence of you, our Savior, Jesus. Amen. There is promise in there. God can take you deeper than you've ever been. Just walk this life with him. Walk into your heart and walk it with others. Pray with me. Lord, you help us just do this, Lord. Be real. Show yourself. Help us enter into our hearts and share them with others, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.